Just help us to understand your word and give us soft hearts to hear. Um, and just help us to love you more and be more like you when we leave here tonight. Amen. All right, Luke 15. So same verses as last week, we're going to look at something different. So uh, let's just start in verse 11, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. 568. Okay, here we go. I'm just going to start reading. Um, We read this last week, so hopefully you guys, and I'm sure you've heard it before, but here I go. Um, And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to eat, to be fed the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for my son was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, and he's found. Okay, we'll stop right there. So the question I have for you guys is, um, you can go to the next slide, is forgiveness costly? Is forgiveness costly? Shout it out. What do you think? Okay, we got mixed, we got mixed reviews. Hold on a second. Is forgiveness costly? Keep thinking about it. Is forgiveness costly? What do you guys think? What do you think? What, what do you guys think? I'll say no. Is it is it costly, guys? I'd say no. You don't think it is? Okay, here we go. We got it. Okay. Whose phone is this? Nice. Is it costly? If you, to forgive me, how much is it going to cost to replace this? Okay, we're, you're, you guys, I was just kidding. It's, it's, I gave it to Delaney before this. Um, but the point is... Okay. Okay, so here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. Um, if, if it was your phone, um, what would it cost you to forgive me? It would cost you the cost of the phone, right? However the, how much the phone costs, the time it took to replace it, whatever pictures you had on there they lost. You would have to, whatever that was, um, you'd have to say, I'm off the hook for it. And you'd have to absorb the cost yourself. Does that make sense? 
that forgiveness is always costly to the person who forgives. Because if they've been wrong, they have to absorb that wrong on themselves and not retaliate. And I'm going to read you a quote. Um, and we can go to the next. So you can follow along or not. Um, but here's the quote from Tim Keller. It says this, God's grace and forgiveness, while free to the recipient, are always costly for the giver. From the earliest parts of the Bible, it was understood that God could not forgive without sacrifice. No one who is seriously wrong can just forgive the perpetrator. No one who is seriously wrong can just forgive the perpetrator. But when you forgive, that means you absorb the loss and the debt. You bear it yourself. All forgiveness, then, is costly. So all forgiveness is costly. Okay? No matter whether it's a phone or whether someone just wrongs you, um, if someone uh, spoke out against you, uh, something that was false and it hurt you, to forgive that person, you would have to absorb the pain of what they caused you and not keep them on the hook for that. Not get them back for what they said. Okay? And so this is what the parable is about, partially. Um, and we talked about the older brother and the younger brother last week. We talked about how there's two different types of people. There's the person that rebels to get what they want, and there's the person that follows all the rules to get what they want. But we all need to repent because both the person who rebels to get what they want and the person who follows the rules to get what they want, they don't want God. They just want his stuff. And so both the older and the younger brother, um, all of us, we need to repent. But this week we're going to talk about how forgiveness is costly because uh, think about the father. What did it cost him to forgive the younger son? Well, first it cost him a third of everything he owned because he gave it to the son and he went out and, and he lost it. He, he squandered it. He was uh, sleeping with prostitutes and going to parties. And he, and he spent everything his father had. And the father absorbed that cost, right? When he came back, he said, I forgive you, which means the son doesn't have to pay that back. He doesn't say, you, okay, you can be my servant until you pay this back. He said, you're forgiven. And he gave him a robe and a ring and he said, my son's back. He absorbed the shame, right? And back in this culture, um, the Middle East is an honor culture or a shame culture. Uh, those are the two sides of the same coin. That honor is a big deal. And for your son to leave and wish you dead, which is what the younger son did, he said, I wish you were dead so I could have your stuff, my inheritance, which you get once the father is dead. Um, and he walked out. He absorbed the shame of that. I'm sure everyone knew it. All the servants knew it. I'm sure the people, his neighbors knew it. And he absorbed the shame of that. He absorbed the pain of having the son say, I wish you were dead, Dad. Give me my stuff. And he absorbed all that on himself. And so it cost him a lot, right? A third of your stuff? Like, that's, that's a pretty costly deal, especially since it seems like the father is pretty well off. But um, for us, it's hard, I think, to get really into that uh, culture because we, we don't live in a shame culture or an honor culture. Um, so let's put it in modern day terms, okay? Imagine this, you are at home. It's a Friday night and your parents say you can't take out the car. You need to stay home because tomorrow we're going to some sort of deal at church. Let's say there's a Crave event. And so you can't stay out late. But what you do, you're smart, um, you go to bed and wait till your parents go to sleep, and you get up, you get the keys, and you, and you, you jet, you leave. Okay, you got the car, you weren't supposed to have it, and on the freeway, um, you hit a patch of uh, black ice, and you total the car, 
And not only do you total the car, um, they know by the skid marks before you, uh, after you hit that, that you were speeding, because they can actually tell that. And, uh, and you, you had doubled the speed limit, so you'd not only uh, go to the hospital after you get out of this wreck, they send you straight to jail. And so you, at four in the morning, pick up the phone and you call your dad. You get one call. You call your dad or your mom and you say, it's late, um, I'm not in my room right now, I, 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 I took the car when you said I shouldn't, I got in a wreck, and I'm at jail. I'm in jail and I need you to come and bail me out. And I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't deserve for you to come and, and get me out, but I'm just asking, please. And so your dad comes or your mom comes and they pay the five or six or ten grand that it costs you to bail you out so you can get out of jail. And when you get home, what they do is they throw a party. They're so happy that you're safe. They say, let's throw some steaks on the grill. Let's cook some eggs for breakfast. And uh, I'm just so glad you're home. I'm so glad you're safe. Can you imagine what you would feel? Like, you would be feeling so heavy, right? You just did the worst thing you can imagine, and, and you feel terrible, and your dad, it's already gone. It's, he's forgotten it. And he's saying, I forgive you. I'm glad you're safe. That, that to me, affects me a little bit more than the, than the story, because it's, it's in modern day. I can't imagine what my dad would do. He definitely wouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> he would not do that, but he would say something. And uh, those, you're forgiven, son, I'm glad you're here, are not the words that he would say, I don't think. But, point is, forgiveness is costly, right? It costs, if that happened, it cost your dad the money, it cost your dad the car, it cost your dad the shame. Let's say it's in La Plata, everybody knows, right? It's in the paper, it's, everyone is going to know that you did that, and that's embarrassing for your parents um, because it reflects on them even though you made the decision. Okay, so this parable isn't just a story. It, ac- it's, it didn't actually happen. It's teaching us something about God, right? And who is God in this story? Who represents God? The Father. And so this relates to us because God forgave us, right? God forgave us. Like the Father in the story, God comes to us and He forgives us. He, when we come back to Him, He's got His arms open and He's ready to forgive And the thing is, you and I and every single person in this room and all the kids at La Plata High School, every single person in the world wants to find somewhere where they belong, where they're accepted, where they're loved. The thing is, we had that with God, right? God loved us completely, who we were. He was the best father, and we said to him, just like the younger son, "Um, I don't want you, God, I want your stuff. And we chose to love uh, whatever it is, cell phones, sports, whatever it is, more than God, and we stepped away. But here's the thing, he's, he's got his arms open, right? He's ready to welcome us back. And, uh, and he can only do that by absorbing the cost. He can only do that through costly forgiveness. And it's Jesus that paid the cost, okay? Just like in the parable Forgiveness is costly. Jesus absorbed the cost of our sins. He absorbed the shame and the pain and the guilt on the cross. We can abide because He was cut off. We can come in because 
he was cast out. We are healed because he was wounded. We can live because he died. And the question is, how does that hit you? How does that hit your heart? Because if we know God paid a great price for us, we should love him all the more. Knowing how much it costs God, well, let's just put it this way. Let's read another verse. Okay? Um, uh, You don't need to turn there. I'll just read it. This is in Luke 7. Um, A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? A man answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said, You have judged rightly. He who is forgiven little loves little, and he who is forgiven much loves much. So, we can ask this question. What's the response? What's our response to what Jesus did? What's our response to having someone pay the cost? The story says there's two guys. One, owns, one, owns, one owes $50,000 and one, owns, one owes $50. They were both forgiven. Who loves the person who canceled the debt more? The one who owed more, yeah. And that's, that's what Jesus would say to you. You judged rightly. Good answer. And so let's look at this. This is his response. He said, he who loves little, he who is forgiven little, loves little. Okay, and so let's again, let's put it in modern day, right? If you uh, had someone house it, you guys, none of you have a house. Okay, let's say it this way. Um, one of your friends was walking by your house and they said, they came up to you and they said, I was walking by your house and uh, somebody came up and they, they had a bill and they asked me if I knew who you were and that I needed to give you this bill that you owed some money. And you said, oh, okay, well, what did you do with the bill? And they said, oh, don't worry, I took care of it. Now, what is your response to that person? Someone just paid a bill for you. What do you do to that person? Well, the response, Go ahead, anyone? You say thank you, but, but, here's a trick question. Um, Your response depends on how much the bill was, right? If you got a ticket going 150 uh, on the uh, interstate, they impounded your car, and you owed, you know, 3,000 bucks, you're a lot more thankful than if someone said, yeah, you didn't pay proper postage, so you owe 35 cents, Right? And so here's the question. Um, Let's go to the next part. Little debt leads to... Question? Little love. Okay. Oh, did you put it up there? Okay. Okay. Too easy. Next one. Large debt leads to... A lot of love, right? Lots of love. Next one. Infinite debt. Yeah, it's just a question mark. So um, that's the question, right? Because... If you owed a million dollars, if you owed a debt you could never pay, the response is different, right? You're more than saying, thanks, Jesus, I appreciate it, right? It's an infinite debt. You fall at his feet. That's what people did. 
Can you imagine just being so overcome with emotion that you fall at, at someone's feet? Sometimes we read those things in the Bible and we think, oh, that's the culture back then. But no, they were so overcome with emotion that they couldn't help but just fall down. It, they were overcome. And my question is this, what is our response to Jesus? In your everyday life, do you treat Jesus like he literally died so you could live? Do you see your debt as little? Do you love Jesus just a little bit because he paid the little cost of your sin? Or do you see your sin as the weight which it really is, a debt you could never pay, that he took? All that weight you felt, at least I felt when I told the story of, of wrecking your parents' car, you would feel heavy, right? That's one decision. All the things you've ever done wrong, all the people... Um, that you hurt by saying something you shouldn't, all the people that you mistreated, all the times you, you disrespected God. All of that is on your back, and that definitely weighs a lot, right? That's a lot to stand up under. And Jesus took it off. He, he said he would take it off if you come to him. If you say, Christ, I see what you've done. I want to give you my life because you gave me yours. And now the thing is, I feel like we, you and me, a lot of times don't act like Jesus is a real person. Like we act like it's just a story. Like, you know, in Sunday school, whenever you were a kid and they told you the stories, I feel like sometimes we act like they're, they're just stories, like they didn't actually happen. I've never heard someone in service when David was reading, it says like Jesus... And Jesus walked on water. I've never heard someone gasp like, oh, are you serious? Or, or when it said Jesus was raised from the dead and he's alive today. I don't often see, nice, great job. I don't often, people don't yell like, yeah, not often and not in our church. Um, but that's the response, right? Like if it's real, that's the question. Do you believe it's real? Because if it is, the implications are large on your life. You would act differently, and I would act differently. And so let's, let's go to the next one. So how much did it cost him? That's the question. This is what um, Isaiah says, prophesying about Jesus. You have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. I am he who blocks out, blots out transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins burdened. You've burdened him. He took it. If you've given your life to him, he took it for you. So challenge. Every week, if you just got your book for the first time, every week we're having a challenge because everyone has good intentions, right? Everyone wants to come out of here and apply this to their life, but nine out of ten times we don't do it, right? So this is one con way you can apply this to your life every single week. And the challenge is for you guys to actually do the challenge, right? We got like a few people that did it, but actually I want you to do this, right? If you guys did it last week and it did help you, it changed your life, it affected your life in even just a little bit. Get a, let's get an amen, okay? One, two, three. Amen. Oh, you guys didn't do it last week. You weren't here. <laughs> you guys, okay, listen. Well, the point of it was, if it affected your life last week, if you did it, 
It did, and we already heard people say that did. I appreciate your support. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Okay, you guys, amens are accepted in Crave, and, um, but we're, we're already done, so you have to wait till next week. Um, so the challenge for this week, oh, the challenge is this. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. That's what 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, because you were bought with a price. And so my challenge to you is to actually act this week, to think about and to live like you were bought with a price. If you went out of here tonight and you walked across the street and a car was coming and you didn't see it and someone jumped out and they pushed you out of the way and, and the car hit them, you would be shook up and that you would not live your life the same this week. If someone badmouthed that person this week, that person that died to save you, you would just be out of your chair in a second. You'd be ready to fight because that person died to save you. But we don't act like Jesus was a real person because when we hear someone badmouth Jesus, we kind of cower in our chair. Like, should I say something? I don't want to... Eh, I, I, won't, I don't want to feel awkward. You know what I mean? If someone died to save you, okay, I'm getting into the question we're going to ask. The question is, that we're going to ask and we're going to talk about, is what you would act like if you really believe Jesus died. If, or you can ask it this way, if someone literally died for you, how would you treat that person? How would you change? Knowing it costs someone their entire life, that they died for you to have life, to live tomorrow, to live this week out. If you knew that it cost someone so much, you would live differently. I promise you, you would live differently. You wouldn't throw your life around and you wouldn't, you wouldn't live it like it's not a big deal. And so, we're going to watch a little video and I just want you guys to watch the video, pray, think about this question about what God did for you and what it means. So we're going to watch the video, just think and pray. And then after that, we're going to stand up and we're going to sing a worship song. And after that, we'll talk some more.